Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm going to be discussing what I've been calling Rat Blast in Wilds Veldrian Limited. So this is um, about uh, attacking with rats. This is not just like a cute name for a red-black episode. Um, this is specifically about a big game aggressive red deck that can be black or not black that part's less important so to give a little bit of background the story here isn't very long but a little bit of background uh coming back to playing online after like a bit of a break i uh was kind of struggling with like control decks that looked pretty good to me in best of one i've had really really good success with the like bargain blue style control decks in best of three, but with the hand smoother and stuff, they they were having a bit more trouble for me in best of one. So I tried uh, pushing myself to draft like aggressive red decks and it worked really well, um, back to back seven ones. And so from that and a bit of study and thinking, I came up with the background for this episode. So one of my conclusions from one of those seven one runs was that gnawing crescendo, the trumpet blast effect, uh, two in a red creatures you control get plus two power, and then uh, whenever a non-token creature you control dies this turn, make a one one rat that can't block, uh, is substantially underrated. And the seventeen land stats back that up. It's uh, taken really really late, but it has pretty solid win rate stats, which. Uh, it's not played all that often, which is correct. It doesn't go in every deck, but having solid win rates overall when played is pretty promising for a card that needs a very specific deck. I'm sure that people are usually playing it in decks that are roughly right for it, but also I really doubt that people are fully capturing its ceiling and it's performing, you know, like an above average common. So um, that, that supported my theory that like, oh, this is actually probably a pretty good card that you can like realistically draft around. Trumpet blast effects historically have been pretty good in limited when there are reliable ways to, uh, get more than one body out of a common. I'd say my biggest experience with that is like cons of Tarkir, um, like trumpet blast style cards were a really big part of that metagame. And, uh... Ratcatcher Trainee is just a really big deal because it's three creatures in a single common at a pretty good rate. Uh, Ratcatcher Trainee, for people who don't know offhand, is the uh, two mana two one first strike on your turn that has the adventure pest problem two and a red to, uh, instant to make two one one black rats that can't block. And so this archetype really revolves around the combination between Ratcatcher Trainee and Nine Crescendo. Fortunately. If you only get like one copy of either one, or even potentially zero copies of either one, there are a number of like backups and replacements and pivots and ways to make the deck function if you like try to draft this but don't quite get there. Talk about a variety of off-roads and reasons that you'd want to pivot out of this uh, as we go. But th those are kind of your key cards. Nine crescendo, you don't want to like take early. You should be able to table it. And rat catcher trainee. Uh, you shouldn't expect to table and you do want to take over like basically all the other commons um, when this is like what you're trying to do. So uh, outside of Ratcatcher Trainee, Harried Spearguard, the 1-1 haste 
that makes a 1-1 rat that uh, can't block black creature when it dies. And Edgewall Pack is the 4-mana uh, 3-3 three, three menace that makes a rat when it enters. Those are like relevant uh, contributors to red's go-wide package. Black is kind of the best direct support color. You don't have to be black, but the uh, common um, voracious vermin, I think it's called, the 2-1 that makes a rat and then gets bigger whenever a creature dies, a creature you control dies. Um, and then at uncommon, you have like Lord Skitter's Butcher and uh, the black red gold creature that can give rats death touch and makes a rat when something dies. Those are good support cards, but black is like less relevant to going wide and uh, doesn't have the gnawing crescendo. So you can kind of do the whole thing without black. The decks that I've had, like you, you can basically be roughly mono red or red with a splash. And then notably, uh, Imodane's Recruiter, um, the red adventure, the red creature with a white adventure, uh, one of the best cards in the set. The uncommon three mana two two, two gives your creatures plus one plus out haste when you play it, and then has an adventure for five, uh, four and a white sorcery that makes two vigilant knights. It's kind of one of the best cards you can get in this deck and a good on-ramp to this deck because this is one of the decks that uses it best. So you can kind of like play, you know, mono red or red splash white or red splash white and black uh rat blast decks that uh, use like Imidane's Recruiter instead of using black cards or in addition to using black cards. So often black, not always black. The the thing I want to really hammer home here is you don't want to, like when you just have some red cards that fit in this like archetype, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm rats, I'm black, and just kind of default to assuming that you're black when you don't have to be. So the important thing about being in this deck specifically is focusing on going wide and making the most of these rats that you're making. Uh, the rats can't block, so they only do anything if you can attack with them. So you want a lot of ways to make sure that they can profitably attack, which is not a given for a 1-1, because if your opponent has any X2, then your 1-1 might have some trouble attacking. So you want cards like Minecart Daredevil, the 4-2 with a plus 2 plus 1 adventure, anything that makes a roll, Gnawing Crescendo, uh, Stingblade Assassin, the 3-1 um, flying uh, flash creature that kills a damaged creature when it enters. Cards like that are all great ways to make sure that your rats can attack, even if your opponent has blockers. You can also use Removal to kill your opponent's creatures so that your rats can attack. Cut In is the best removal for the deck because uh, the role that it gives you, the young hero role that can go on a rat, can turn a rat into a real threat, and then you're also a very aggressive deck, and cut in, which kind of fundamentally pushes damage. Cut in is three and a red, sorcery, four damage to a creature, make a young hero roll on a creature. And the thing about using removal to push damage is that's where things can get kind of weird with this archetype, because you're very much a big game, go wide deck. You want a lot of creatures. You, you're happy to have a crowded battle, battlefield. The more removal you have, the more you become a small game deck. And so you really need to pay attention to, if you're drafting red, black, especially, there's a lot of very good removal available to you. You'll often be tempted to pick removal spells, and it'll often be right to pick removal spells. If you end up with too much removal, 
you do not want to be a Rat Blast deck. You want to be a Red Black Attrition deck. You want to accept that you're playing a small game and lean into that. But I think both decks are very good. And so you might want to be like starting a draft, drafting what you expect to be Rat Blast, prioritizing your like uh, creatures that make multiple bodies and ways to take advantage of having all those bodies. And then see that like red and black are open and get some good like premium removal and then you're going to be forced with a decision about like whether you're actually a big game go wide deck or whether you're an attrition deck and maybe you're taking advantage of some of your creatures that give you multiple bodies to make your opponent's removal spells not so good um or maybe to play like a grindy game with vampiric rights the bonus sheet enchantment lets you sacrifice a creature to draw a card and gain a life but uh you know at, at a certain point you need to realize that you've shifted off of this into something else as you have more removal one way to conceptualize the difference here is like which red four drop you want uh grabby giant i think is fantastic in red black attrition decks where edge wall pack uh is the card that you want in your like go wide rat deck and both of them are very good cards, but one of them is going to be a lot better than the other, depending on which deck you are. Another uh, good card to think about in this space is Flick a Coin, the three-mana instant that does a damage, something draws a card, and makes a treasure. Absolutely fantastic card in Grabby Giant-based red-black attrition decks, where you want to get value anywhere you can, and Flick a Coin's ability to like cantrip while killing something and giving you another object that you can sacrifice to Grabby Giant is like the perfect card but if you're the like very aggressive go wide crescendo deck even though flick a coin is like object advantage that can lead to playing a big game it's not where you want to be in this deck because the deck really really wants to be aggressive and you don't want to spend uh three mana on that low uh impact like that little board impact so grabby giant flick a coin in general, like the weaker or more narrow removal, all suggest that you're in red black attrition, which is a completely different deck that is not interested in non crescendo and does not highly prioritize really any of Ratcatcher Trainee, Harried Spearguard, or Edgewall Pack. As you have less removal, uh, you're more likely going to play a big game, and that's where you want to shift into really prioritizing cards that makes sense in this deck. The more aggressive cards, the cards that uh, play better with the big game, um, anything that like pumps your team, and you know maybe having top end that's uh, like the bellowing bruiser, the four mana four four that stops two things from blocking. Threatens become very good even when you don't have sack outlets. So twisted fealty and Areed's tempting apple are cards that you want just to push damage rather than sacrifice things. And then, uh, you know, your minecart daredevils, maybe even your sugar rushes to make sure the rats can attack. So I think kind of the most important thing about drafting red black is paying attention to monitoring which space you're in and which space you should be in based on how cheaply you can get the relevant cards for each archetype, um, just what you're seeing, what you're seeing late. Because um, both are good decks, but they want significantly different cards and they have very different philosophies the like rat blast is a big game tempo deck and uh like grabby giant attrition is a small game attrition deck 
And because they're going to overlap so much on just strong red and black commons, it's easy to find yourself in a confused middle ground. And I think that you want to avoid that when you can. So getting back to specifically, you know, the rat blast space, given the danger of kind of your whole plan falling apart and shifting if you have too much removal, when you're solidly here, the only removal that I would think about taking over Ratcatcher Trainee is cut in. And even then, I think I want the trainee. Ratcatcher Trainee is like the thing that's going on. You want it more than like Torch and Grapple and stuff like that. Those are stronger cards in a vacuum, but this is very much a synergy deck that really hinges on uh, making multiple card bodies for a single card, which Ratcatcher Trainee is exceptional at uh, in a way like. You, you can take the premium removal over the secondary multiple uh, creature cards, like your Voracious Vermin and your Harried Spear Guards and your Edgewall Packs. Those things are more competitive with premium removal, whereas I think Ratcatcher is kind of in its in a class of its own um, in terms of like making this deck actually function the way that it's trying to. Basically, like when in doubt, you want more more bodies per card then if you're getting the same number of bodies you want less mana per body and then the like removal is generally going to be better than a single body but generally not going to be better than multiple bodies and then if you're like fully in this space and fully enabled crescendo becomes one of the actual best cards that you can get um Imidane's recruiter being of course more or less strictly better Immediately before recording this podcast, I'm kind of in the middle of a draft that was kind of trying to be in this space, but I never saw an on-crescendo in the draft. I So I have like a bunch of trainees and Voracious Vermin and Lord Skitter's Butcher and Twisted Sewer Witch, um, and I have uh, Vampiric Rites and... The Vampiric Rites has been uh, playing really, really well to let the deck pivot into kind of grinding rather than purely like racing. And the synergy between Vampiric Rites and Voracious Vermin to make combat difficult for the opponent has been very big. So uh, I think that's just to say... Once you're like really, really wide, Vampiric Rites is a very relevant card to pay attention to as a soft pivot that like doesn't change how you value most cards, but does significantly change how the game plays, the games play. Um, so it's another thing to watch for as a payoff for being wide. Some of those other cards I mentioned that are in that deck are other good payoffs, uh, like the Twisted Sewer Witch. You know, to some extent, being wide is its own reward, as long as you have, you know, your, like, Daredevils and Stingblade Assassins that are letting you just, like, attack with these rats and then force your opponent to block with them and using them to trade up. Tattered Ratter is another good way to, like, get more value out of your rats, obviously. I don't, that is to say that I do think it's, like, safe to draft the multiple bodies cards really highly and expect that you're going to find other synergies for them when you can't find uh crescendo specifically as a payoff 
uh, even if I think Crescendo might actually be the, I think Crescendo is the best payoff at Common, but uh, there are a lot of ways to get it done as long as you're, you know, just thinking about your deck as being fundamentally about go wide, big game, and then how do I take advantage of having all these bodies and also noting that you're going to fundamentally be aggressive. You're making a bunch of objects that can't block. You're definitely wanting to pressure your opponent's life total here. That that basically covers my opening analysis. I see in chat people are talking about having a lot of questions. So I think I'm going to turn it over to chat to figure out uh, where people are still kind of thrown off here. As always, I want to thank the newest patron before switching segments here. So uh, thank you very much for the support, Thomas. If anyone else is interested in... Uh, supporting drafting archetypes joining the patreon be sure to check out patreon.com slash drafting archetypes to um, see all the perks that are offered and stuff like that and now i'd like to get to uh, questions from chat to make sure that i've uh, covered everything here so i had formed the, the impression that small game deck and tempo deck were synonymous uh no so Small game specifically refers to looking to trade resources, and tempo deck refers to looking to uh, end the game before like your opponent has had a chance to use all the cards in their hand. Um, tempo game spe tempo is specifically about treating um, mana as the bottleneck, whereas small game kind of treats cards as a bottleneck. They're almost closer to antonyms for me. So uh, a small game deck is going to be mostly a deck with a lot for removal, um, anything that's going to be trading off resources. And when you're trading off resources a lot, you're kind of spending your mana to negate your opponent's threats, which is typically, typically going to make the game go longer and typically going to make the game more attrition-based. So a big game tempo deck, I think, is actually pretty natural. A big game tempo deck is where instead of trying to answer your opponent's stuff, you're focused on just deploying your own stuff and making the game bigger by having like more resources generated and less stuff trading off. And then the tempo part of that is your big game is proactive. It's trying to end the game before your opponent can catch up. So you spend your resources deploying your own threats, and then you look to end the game before your opponent can play all of their cards or neutralize your cards. There are non-tempo big game decks, and that would be like, they're going to be more green, where you're just kind of like, all right, we're both going to get a bunch of objects into play, but mine are going to be like better than yours. And I don't really, and then like, you're going to have to like use multiple objects to deal with my object. And so I can like win an attrition game that's a big game, which is a bit weird, but kind of what ends up happening where you send your 5-5 into your opponent's two creatures and they have to like double block and trade off. And then the game ends up kind of like shrinking just through your opponent, like needing to two for one themselves to deal with your big stuff. Hope that helps. How highly do you value Assassin being both a good attacker and removal? Is it similar to Voracious Vermin? It is much weaker than Voracious Vermin because it's more expensive, worse at enabling your other stuff. Like it's a payoff rather than an enabler where Voracious Vermin is kind of both. 
it also has the downside of like being an expensive X1 in a format that's pretty punishing for those. Uh, I also think that like voracious vermin scale well, where like the more of them you have, the better each of them are. Voracious vermin benefit from having more of them, where Stingblade assassins really suffer from having more of them, because uh, you need something else to be happening to like find a moment to make one of them work. So I wouldn't want more than two and usually just one Stingblade Assassin in a deck where Voracious Vermin are really a more the merrier kind of situation. It makes it a lot better to take early, especially given that I think Voracious Vermin in general goes earlier than Stingblade Assassins. You can really trap yourself if you overvalue Stingblade Assassin as a card that you don't want very many of. Uh, there's only so many synergies you can fit into a single deck, but when are you looking to include a, the sack steel package whenever you can get it because stealing is so good uh for the aggressive plan of this deck it's a really good way to push damage and then sacrificing stuff when you're making a bunch of rats is usually going to be really profitable so um i i highly prioritize both sides of that package um but i think that because neither side really exists at common in this format uh, it's hard to go deep on that package, so include the little bits that you can and be happy about it. In the red-white version, does Crescendo make Hopeful Vigil worse compared to the other two drops? Crescendo, so the issue with Crescendo is that if it, um, if you end up trading off the knight from Hopeful Vigil, you won't get a rat. I think that that's a pretty minor downside. A lot of the times your Crescendo is just going to be going for lethal um and in red white hopeful vigil is just so good because it triggers celebrate by itself and also it's kind of white's way to go wide uh specifically combining hopeful vigil with stockpile celebrant so i would not like try to avoid or deprioritize hopeful vigil uh in anticipation of potential crescendos i, I think Hopeful Vigil is still fundamentally the kind of space you want to be. Uh, other than Goblin Bombardment, any enchantment from the extra sheet that could fit in this deck, like Grave Pack maybe? Uh, well, certainly Vampiric Rites is mentioned. Um, I mean, like, Dragon Mantle is an acceptable way to, like, get more value out of a token creature. I'm not a big believer in impact tremors or raid bombardment, but I haven't written either of them off. I don't have enough experience to say for sure what the barrier to entry is on either of them, like whether I would either want either of them. They're both not cards I'm at the point where I'm willing to prioritize, but something that I think you can keep in mind. You know, certainly this is a good space for Grave Pact if you end up black enough to cast it, but certain versions of this deck could be into Dark Tutelage. Have I tried Bespoke Battle Garb in this deck? It seems like it helps making the rats a real threat. Haven't tried it. Am somewhat optimistic about it. Uh, it's not a creature, so it like is kind of competing with Crescendo, obviously. But I think that if you're like missing other payoffs, it's like a solid way to try to get something out of your rats. If you're firmly in this archetype in pack three, you open Gutter Dweller and Recruiter, which you choose. I think probably recruiter if you're solidly in the deck gutter dweller is a little bit more of a grindy card whereas recruiter is a little bit more explosive and better with the like you know pure aggro version i think not dead after all fits well in this deck 
I don't really like not dead after all because I really want to be able to be sure that I can be proactively deploying my cards to build a like to have an aggressive start and build a large board it's a little bit too situational for me and i don't feel like the payoff is quite big enough to uh, justify being situational how many are too many crescendos i was very happy with three if literally everything in my deck was a creature and most of them made multiple bodies and crescendos were my only non-creatures I'm sure that I'd be willing to play five. I don't know that I would want the sixth. So I guess I'll say six is too many. Do you value the rat from Spear Guard or the evasiveness from Ginger Brute more in this deck? I think the rat from Spear Guard, because uh, I think Spear Guard is less exploitable, and I value non-exploitability pretty highly. Also, like the rat from Spear Guard plays into like the sacrifice synergy stuff that this deck can end up doing with like vampiric rites and uh, bombardment and stuff. So I, I think I think early on I value Spear Guard over Ginger Brute if I know that I'm like red in this space. Surely shared animosity could be good. That's definitely possible. You'd need to be very ready for it, which is like not easy, but the potential is there. How do you play cards like Assassin or Daredevil if the opponent has multiple blockers? Do you just like attack with one thing or do you send it all in? Really depends on exactly how much damage you can push, exactly how many creatures you have and how many creatures they have. Like if I have, you know, five creatures and my opponent has two and I have one of those things, I'm probably going to send them all. But even then, then it depends on like, well, what if like two of my creatures are good and I'd lose both of them and the other three don't matter and they would get through. There's not a clean answer. Um, it also like really depends on your opponent's life total and how like in range they are. There will definitely be spots where you're just like, well, here's one damage. There will be spots where you're like, well, here are two rats, right? Because if I send one rat, you're just going to take it. And the one damage isn't going to matter very much. It's obvious that I have something. But if I send two rats, you're going to block both of them. But that means that I'm going to get to use my trick to kill one of your things. If you don't block either, I'm pushing like a meaningful amount of damage. So it's it's not always just one or the other. There, You want to think about like, you know, how bad is it for me if my opponent does just take it? Is that what I want or is that not what I want? Um, how much damage can I push here? What am I sacrificing? Like, think about all the different ways that your opponent might block or not block and figure out, like, what, you know, worst version for you you're happiest with. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly tricky. You've said before that aggro decks want big removal versus control decks wanting, uh, small removal to answer stuff efficiently. Would I like one Shatter the Oath in this deck? Alternatively, is Vanity too much of a slowish incremental card to be good in this deck? You're certainly on the right track, right? Like, I don't think that, like, in general, I think Torch the Tower is a much better card than uh, Cut-In, especially in, like, the blue decks, whereas in this deck, Cut-In is way better than Torch the Tower. So, like, that principle is certainly at work here. The question about, like, would it lead to wanting a Shatter the Oath? Again, 
this deck is generally not trying to prioritize removal and shatter the oath is like relatively weak removal so i think most of the time i'm not going to be looking for shatter the oath but it wouldn't be like offensive to end up having one in the deck vanity i like what vanity's doing like getting the roll is good but it is you know i really want to be able to like cast my cards when i want to cast them in this deck i'd say vanity is like a playable non-priority all right and before i completely destroy my voice i think i'm gonna have to end it i expect that next week i will be healthier and be able to uh talk as long as uh i want the topic demands thank you everyone for um tuning in and uh yeah i'll, I'll be back next week with another one bye for now prepare for light speed